Okay, friends, we are talking for two weeks about frailty, about weakness, about what it means um, to be okay with being weak. And we're looking specifically at the Apostle Paul and some of the words that he said and challenged uh, from his own life and from um, in, in the lives of those that, that would come to form the early church, which was by no means an, an impressive group of people. Uh, they were in what God did with them, but not in their pedigree, where they came from, their natural capabilities. And this actually ended up being a source of goodness and a source of strength for the kingdom of God, because this kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of the world. So, um, so specifically, we've been looking in the uh, Corinthians for a little bit. Last week was the challenge to be honest, okay, in our frailty, to be honest about our pain, to be honest about our weakness, to be honest about our failures, our, our humanness, essentially, straight up. Uh, we are able to be honest about our brokenness with God and with other people, all right? We don't lead with our impressiveness, but we lead with God's impressiveness, and we embrace that we are jars of clay, was Paul's words. Jars of clay um, that he wrote to the church in Corinth, jars of clay that are breakable, right? Fragile, yet capable of containing and preserving uh, the good news for the world in this really cool way. So it's okay to be frail, and that's what we continue to talk about. Uh, Acknowledging our frailty with honesty, though, uh, it puts us in another position. It puts us in a position where when we get to that point, we can actually walk away changed because of it. We can walk away different because of being honest about our weaknesses. Uh, so, you know, there's this incredible passage in, or an incredible little statement um, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, and that is, um, therefore we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed. Outwardly we're wasting away, struggling, yet inwardly we're being renewed. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but I want to put it in your head already, okay? Um, so, what a statement that doesn't make a lot of sense, because what do we say? Outwardly, we're wasting away. If we're struggling, then inwardly, we're wasting away, right? That's, that's conventional knowledge. That's how we think about things. Like, if you very rarely would you say, yeah, I've been, it's a tough week. I've been going through some really, really difficult stuff, and there's just been these things happening to me, so inwardly, I am just on fire. <laughs> rarely do we say that. What we say is, so I'm discouraged and I'm down and I'm wondering where God is and what do I do and everything like that. So we should, remember, we should read the scriptures with an eye and an ear for the odd things, the things that make us say, huh, what's that all about? That's radical because constantly throughout the scriptures, throughout this document of, of this inspired document of God's people and how they relate to God, there are moments over and over again that say, huh, this is different than the way the rest of the world seems to work. Let's lean into that and see what's going on. So, so we're going to talk about renewal. How many of you have ever let your vehicle registration lapse without realizing it? <clears throat> a few. Wow, more, more than care to admit because the hands are like all by the hip. They're like... Uh, I, I've done that. I, I remember uh, I was in my late 20s and uh, I was working in Lancaster at a church and one of my coworkers parked beside me and came into the office and he said, Keith, do you know your, your vehicle registration has been expired for like seven months? And I said, no, I did not. Uh, I had not even thought about it. These days we have the email reminders, right? And, and they, the DMV has got your, got your cell phone, so sometimes you get like a text notification and everything like that. This was before that was, was uh, a regular thing. And so, um, so anyways, I remember, it's, it's so funny because when you, uh, when you have this situation, you've never been like stressed or worried, you know, on the road, and then all of a sudden, everywhere you go, you're like, 
is there a cop going to be behind me? Like, when's he going to pull up behind me and i got to quick get out of there as I get my way to, uh, to the registration? But I didn't get pulled over. I didn't get a ticket. All I had to do was pay an extra $10 or $20 uh, once I got to the, uh, the office. But how about the library? Have you ever checked out a book or a DVD that you didn't, uh, um, you didn't even uh, pick up yet from your, from your desk, and all of a sudden you find out that it's overdue and it needs to be renewed, and you haven't touched it at all, um, and you have no idea how the time passed, or, or, you, or you notice that a kid took a book out from school, one of your kids, and stored it under the bed, and, uh, and you know, the school calls you up, and they're like polite, but with underlying irritation. None of you ever had this experience? Like, we're looking for this book. I'm, I'm sure, no, no, we, we keep an eye on these things, ma'am. I'm, like, we've got, I'm, I'm sure it's not here. I'm sure it's just been returned, and it hasn't been scanned, and then or you just pay the fine and walk away, yes. Like, just tell me how much it is. Like, are, are there any other books that we signed out that I can just go ahead and buy right now because they're, they're probably never coming back? Um, so here's the thing, though. In all of it, renewal requires a couple things. Number one, it requires you to pay attention to when something is getting old. It requires you to be aware and to pay attention to when something's growing old. And the second thing that it requires is that you are proactive. So you've got to pay attention and be aware, and then you've got to do something about it. I can find out that my vehicle registration is lapsed, and then I can keep on going because, hey, haven't gotten pulled over so far, right? And, and you're not proactive and nothing, nothing changes. Uh, so we have to notice when something is reaching its end point, and we have to be willing to do something about it. Uh, so how does this all relate to the good news and, and to frailty? We are not designed to function forever on our own. Uh, we have a shelf life. The psalmist talks about it like, uh, he writes that people are like grass, like flowers that, that get the sunlight and then they die and then the land forgets they were even there. That's super dark. So if any of you are in, like, don't sit with that. If, if you're going to lock onto one thing, please, if you're having a rough week, like, don't lock onto that, because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff on, on, the, on this other half, okay? Um, but but, but that's, that's just the, the reality, right? But the hope, the hope is that God changes us, that God brings transformation. God intends humans to live with great meaning now and forever, and God made us to thrive and live well by constantly re-entering. Not just entering, but constantly re-entering relationship. This is why we heard mercies are new every morning. Every day is fresh. Like, sometimes we spend so much time talking about what, that faith is taking the step to trust Jesus that we forget that Jesus said, come and follow, which is a constant orientation of our lives more toward Jesus over and over and over again. It's being made new again and again and again, being renewed. Um, Jesus speaks of this, right, uh, by saying, remain in me and you'll bear much fruit. Remaining is an active word. Might, it's not just sitting there, um, not at least in my experience. Um, to remain in Jesus is, is active. Uh, you know, and, and, and uh, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Think about it. That's renewal language. Come to me when you are worn out, when you are growing old and I will enliven you once more. Um, we're meant to be people of, of renewal. We're meant to be people of resurrection. And uh, that's, that's renewal in its most ultimate form, is resurrection. Death to life, apathy to care, numbness to feeling, hopelessness to hopefulness. 
um, selfishness to selflessness. That's renewal. So I want to explore a few ways that we can become people of renewal, okay, in the midst of our frailty, how that frailty can actually lead us to experience the renewal that God longs to give us, okay? And so, uh, so the first thing that, that we're going to share is uh, that renewal happens, um, renewal happens when we, uh, when we turn away from sin that's within us, all right? This is, this is all over the place in the scriptures. This should be no surprise. The church tends to emphasize this a lot, sometimes for good reason, sometimes to a point that makes us think that the only point of life is sin management. That's what, that's what uh, the late Dallas Willard said. He, said. he said that often in the United States we have moved toward a gospel of sin management. And what that means is that our entire point is to not sin, but then you can be, in his words, a cabbage and a Christian. Because a cabbage isn't sinning. So what's it mean to actually do the things that Jesus longs for us to do, not just not do the things that we're not supposed to do? It goes beyond that. However, <laughs> that was completely opposite of the point that I'm trying to make right now. And that is that so many times in our life, our selfishness pulls us away from who we are intended to be. Our temptations, our, 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 um, our desire to prove ourselves, our desire to satisfy every urge that we have, um, our need to get revenge on people, to dwell in bitterness because it feels good, or anger because it, it makes the hair on our arms stand up, whatever the case is. Uh, and you can see in, in Hebrews, go ahead, Dwayne, um, in, uh, are we getting any love? There we go, Hebrews 12, um, the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about, uh, and he does it in an inverse way, he says, since we're surrounded by a, a great cloud of witnesses, he's talked about the people of faith that have continued to journey on throughout history and how we can learn and be inspired by them. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. And see, the idea of, of what sin is, and sin is anything that pulls us from the heart of God. The word is from an arrow, meaning missing the mark, Greek word's hamartia, and it means, uh, it's, it's an archery term, so it means any time that we miss the mark of who we're intended to be. And, and we've turned this into a lot of other meanings that are really, really deeply embedded with shame and stuff, but that's not really the, the point. Um, the point is, Certain things pull our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our spirits away from oneness with, with God. And so what, what the image here is, is that it gets like entangled. We're intended to run freely, which is an image that I deeply love um, because of who I am and I'm a runner. But the idea is that we're supposed to be able to run freely, but think about like a rope getting all caught up. I don't know if you've seen, because I, I coach track I see videos all the time of this stuff, but I'm not sure if you saw a video that was circling. When a pole vaulter is practicing before the competition, they use a, a bungee, an elastic bungee, so if you mess up real bad, you don't hit a pole and get really hurt. And there was a race happening, and this guy was winning a mile race, and he comes around the turn, and a pole vaulter is inside the track vaulting on a practice, a practice um, bar, which is a, a big giant rubber bungee, and he snaps it off and the bungee flings over and wraps around this guy's legs. You've probably, so, has anyone seen this? It must just be a track, track thing. So, and he, he's got 50 yards left, he's winning the race, and all of a sudden his legs just totally get wrapped up and it's all over him and he's trying to pull it off and he gets passed by five people in the last 10 yards. It's horribly heartbreaking and I, I don't know how it was resolved. Um, but it's one of those things, and you can see that when you're entangled in something, you just can't move freely. And that's the image. And so, so, so if, when there is something in our lives that we haven't named, that we haven't done anything about, that is pulling us away, it just wears us down 
But when that is taken away, when we actually decide to turn, and we have to remember, we do have a choice in these things. We have a choice in being able to turn from the stuff that is destroying, destroying us, okay? Sometimes we act like there's no choice at all in there, and, and while we need to rely on the grace of God, which we'll get to next, it's important to know that we can choose to not say that hurtful word. God's given us free will. God's given us the power to be able to make good choices, to turn from things that are destructive in our lives, to make the next step. And sometimes we have to take advantage of that. When John the Baptist is, is um, challenging all the people coming for this baptism of repentance, and he kind of, he kind of calls them to the carpet, and he says, don't just do this because everybody else is doing it. Your heart's not in it. And they say, what should we do? And he says, well, you tax collectors, stop taking more money than you should, you know? You soldiers, stop exploiting people and mistreating them. You with two coats, you need to be giving one because you know that somebody has a need and you know you have more than you need and you're not doing anything about it. Turn, do something. Do something. And show that you're ready for this life that we're inviting you into. So, so that's a, a really Im- important thing. Um, yeah. Uh, so we are not helpless in this and there's an opportunity that we really have. All right. Second thing is uh, we, we experience renewal, okay, um, and again, these are big basics, but sometimes we just need to see them, right? When we receive the grace of God, EI, oh. I really apologize if your kid is in the nursery, um, my, I was washing the rag that I use normally, and so I just picked a, an elephant from the nursery cart. Um, so if this is like your kid's favorite that he looks forward to every week, please tell me and I'll pick a different one next week. Um, let's see. All right. So when we receive grace, go ahead, Dwayne, um, that next slide. All right. So in Hebrews earlier, we are told that Jesus plays the role, go ahead, one more. Yep. There we go. Um, plays the role of a high priest. A high priest was intended to be the go-between and, and relate to God for the, um, or relate to people on behalf of God. And so, so the writer of Hebrews talks about this, and he says, first of all, we have one that can, that can relate to all of our sin, all of our weakness, okay? And yet he did not sin, and now he's the one representing us. He's like the priest. He's like the one representing us and, and, and showing us before God. So therefore, Because we have this person, this advocate on our behalf, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence. I just love that. So that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Again, think about that. Time of need, we need mercy, we need grace. And so the idea is that in Jesus, we can approach God with such confidence that God's heart becomes known to us, longing to offer mercy and grace. And when we experience that, this is when everything changes. When we experience the, the gift of not just the grace of God, but true relationship with God, discipleship, all of a sudden we find that we are not doing this thing on our own. Our frailty, our, our shortcomings, it's not independent of God's power. It's talking about what we talked about last week. That, that when, we, um, when we experience grace, when we say, Lord, I need this forgiveness, I'm making the turn And even in turning and doing something new, I feel fresh when I make a good choice, right? But then the second thing is when I realize that there's grace for that, that even if I I lack the strength to make the next good choice, I can still rely on the grace of God, and it's radical, and it feels unfair and everything. But that's how much God's love is, is made tangible. And that changes us. It renews us. It gives us strength to live in that grace and through that grace. 
Uh, here's the big one this week because of the, the scripture that I just felt stirring in me over and over again from 2 Corinthians. Um, and this one is really fascinating. Renewal happens when we experience suffering. And we move toward Jesus. Again, I have to say this about once a year. The ancient Christians used the Chi symbol, not because it like crosses like Christ out of Christmas or something like that, but because Chi was the symbol for, for Christos, the first letter of, of the Greek word. And so they, they often shortened the symbol for Christ to be, to be this. So just be aware that when I do that, it's, it's shorthand. Um, I'm not, yeah. So, plus it's very interesting because it, it has a, crucifix, uh, a cruciform shape. So it reminds us of the nature of, of Jesus' life of both uh, willingness to suffer, but also this connection between the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship with people and with God. When we experience suffering something very interesting can happen. And I already said that, that this passage that's happening in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, uh, go ahead, let's throw it up, yeah. Um, the 2 Corinthians passage is, Paul is talking about uh, spiritual persecution and oppression in many ways, but he's also linking it to all of the different things that they've gone through as they've been trying to be faithful. And he's saying, and la- this is right after the passage where he said that we're jars of clay, <laughs> Um, and a, a few sentences later, he says, so we never give up, right? Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Just think about a statement like that and just sit with it. Though outwardly we are wasting away, is what another, another translation says, inwardly we are being renewed. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small and won't last, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Can I just tell us about sometimes a a mistake that we made here? Uh, With this idea that we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen sounds like we disconnect from the reality of the world. I want to offer you an additional interpretation from that. I think often when Paul is talking about we fix our gaze on things that can be, cannot be seen, he's not just saying on this invisible heaven, he's saying on the things that we can't envision happening yet. We're seeing all this suffering and Paul's saying, I can't imagine the gospel taking off. <laughs> you know, it's hard to believe that this, that, that this movement is going to, to really, really change the world, but yet somehow God's given me this this belief. It's hard to believe that a bunch of imperfect people could actually make a difference for the kingdom. It's hard to believe that that person could ever trust Jesus. It's hard to believe that justice could ever reign on earth and that violence could ever end. But the calling is to fix our eyes on what we can't see, that God's kingdom will one day wipe away every tear from every eye, that that one day God will set things right, that the poor will receive rest, that those who have suffered will be given joy that all the sacrifices that sometimes discipleship feels like will actually be rewarded as we are made whole. There is beauty in a vision like that. And we fix our eyes on the fact that God is faithful even when we don't see it, like one of you mentioned in our prayers today. Right? When it's hard to see. So, there is beauty in there. Um, But why is this 
Why is this true? Like, Paul has experienced all sorts of suffering, right? Loss of family, loss of influence. He's experienced persecution and arrest, death threats, physical ailments, you name it. He's been through it. Um, Yet in the midst of it, he was laid bare, and here it comes. In the midst of his suffering, he was able to look to Jesus more, and it was the suffering itself that forced him to learn what grace was all about. It was the suffering that made him... In, in the hardest moments, that's when his faith grew. We don't ask for those moments. We don't need to. They just come. We don't need to take the attitude of saying, please, Lord, bring suffering my way because then I can be shaped more like you. We just understand that one of the radical nature, natures of God is that God can redeem the deepest pain that we walk through as humans when we're hurt, when we fall short, when we experience heartache, injustice, betrayal, whatever that in the midst of that, that's not beyond God's reach of, of redemption. So when we experience that suffering, if we look to Jesus, we find that Jesus does something really beautiful and renews us. Um, pain, and the reason is that pain forces us into profound honesty, doesn't it? You can only hide your pain for so long. You can only hide your heartache for so long. I was just talking to somebody this week. I can't even remember who it was. And uh, they'd been through, oh yes, um, been through something difficult. But when you go through certain difficult things, you can't hide it, <laughs> depending on the nature of it. You're just out there. It's just, it's just life. And, and so you have to figure out, am I going to embrace and walk through this and look to Jesus and be changed? Or am I going to lie down and, and just play dead? Um, but if we, if we release our power and if we decide how we want to live in response, then it's an opportunity to be, to be made new because of the first two things. And particularly because of number two because God longs to give us grace. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, it came up in a conversation this week, I think, between uh, Sabrina and I. Um, it's really common these days to find our identity in our trauma. It's becoming more and more common to mark our entire identity by the trauma that we've been through. Um, and, but we have an opportunity to, to be defined by, instead, by Jesus' redemption in that trauma instead of the trauma itself. I was blind, but now I see, is kind of the storyline of, of the scriptures and the witness. It's not just, I was blind, and that hurt. It's, I was blind, but now I see. And there's movement there. Um, the opportunity extends to all of us, especially because COVID has wreaked havoc on everybody's identity over the last year and a half. Everybody is worn out. Everybody feels different than they did before. And so we have an opportunity. Are we going to be defined by the trauma of our world over the last 18 months? Or are we going to be defined by what Jesus does in us in the midst of that? By the redemption and the renewal that's possible. And you have a choice about all of that. Um, Because our identity will be defined by our pain or by what Jesus has done with our pain. Those are kind of the two choices. I want to be really, really clear here. um, (laughs) Because... That's, this is very different than, than victim shaming or, or saying that, you know, you're not allowed to hurt because of what's been done to you or you're not allowed to talk about it or anything like that. Not, not even close. Like, that's important and that's necessary, but it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story, and that's a big deal. Um, part of the goodness of, of God's kingdom, like we keep talking about, is that God can transform our pain into healing, and that healing will often even look like greater love in the world. Um, and if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that the, the pain that you've experienced can not only be transformed within you, but, but shape you into loving others even better, then there's good news that you haven't grasped yet. 
Um, and it's so, so hopeful. All right, so final thing. Um, where's my marker? There it is. Uh, final thing uh, of how renewal can happen is renewal happens uh, when our hearts break for others. Okay? And this is really interesting. Renewal happens when we see the frailty of the world and it breaks our heart and we long to do something about it. Um, take a look at the Beatitudes. One of the things that Jesus says in Matthew 5 is, um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for, for, for right ways of being and living. That's what righteousness means. It doesn't mean like high and holy. It means they hunger and thirst for things to be made right within them and within the world. And, and think about that idea of hunger, and then he says, for they will be filled. Hunger and being filled is a form of renewal, right? When I am hungry, every time I eat, my body is renewed, and I love to eat, so I experience renewal regularly. Hopefully, the rest of you are experiencing renewal on a daily basis as well. I had one of the, one of the girls that I coach, these middle school girls, on Saturday morning. She just looked horrible. And uh, I was like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, well, I, I forgot to eat or drink anything yet today. And I just like stared at her. Like, you're not going to have the energy if you, okay, that's a whole different subject. Um, but you can pray in your, in your downtime. You can pray for me because 50 middle school kids are trying to learn how to run. Um, okay, so, um, oh, yeah, yeah, John 5. So, so anyways, God will use those people. And here's the thing. This is really important. Uh, when he says hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, we can probably bet that all of that righteousness is not going to happen on earth when, in their lifetime. But when they long for it, when they long for it, and, and the assumption is that they will actually be acting toward it in some ways, toward making themselves and others right, that they'll be filled, that God will fill them enough, even if it doesn't come in its full fullness. But when our hearts break for other people, you know, we're told in, uh, in Ephesians 2, I think I've got this on the screen, that, um, that we, are, we are God's handiwork, right? And we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works with, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are made to be people of loving action. And specifically, we are often driven to loving action when we look around the world and we see that things are broken and need to be made whole. When we see that things are broken and need to be made whole, when we, we, are, we are intended to look around at the world at where shalom has been broken, where relationship, wholeness, where the way things ought to be in God's heart and mind are not, and then to do something about it. And then um, see where wholeness has been broken and act with loving, healing, and redemption. And you'll find that, that the things that wear other people out, if you find the right fit, will bring you energy and joy. The things that other people are like, oh, that sounds so sacrificial. You'll be like, ah, I mean, my body might be tired at the end of that day because I was helping somebody who didn't have the finances and needed some work done on their flooring, or because I helped clear this out or because I helped move that friend or because I helped take care of this, this kid when a, a mom just had too many commitments and I said I'd help out. But that brought me life, outwardly wasting away yet inwardly being renewed. You see how many layers there is to this kind of stuff? When we give of ourselves in the way that God designed us to, it fills us up. Um, 
For some of you, that might be physical acts of service. For some of you, that might be giving your money away. For some of you, that might be advocating for racial or economic or educational equality, right? For some, it's opening your homes in hospitality to someone in need or offering a listening ear to somebody who's going through a difficult time. Your heart breaks for someone, you see the need, and you respond. And though it looks sacrificial from the outside, you know that God has made you for that. God has made you for that. And so inside, it fills you up. It still might be hard to make the choice to do because obedience is always challenging. But your heart bursts within you because Jesus made you for that. Um, it's like what uh, theologian uh, Frederick Buechner says, finding the place where uh, your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. That's what it means to have your heart break for others and to be renewed in the process. You find the area where the world's deep hunger and your deep gladness meet. And you start acting in love. So, all right, friends, that's a whole lot of action-oriented stuff, a ton of it uh, that we've been looking at. But I want to remind you, that's not the whole story. Let's go back to the library, okay, or, um, or the car analogy. We say, we say this. We say we renewed a book or we renewed our, our vehicle's license. But did we? We didn't. The librarian did. The librarian renewed the book. And that lady at the DMV that holds all the cards, she's the one who renewed our registration. We didn't renew it. We just showed up, right? We showed up, and we needed to. Couldn't have happened if we didn't show up. But we showed up, but the power wasn't in our hands. <laughs> the power was in someone else's hands for the actual renewal. And this is so incredibly important because we are a self-help culture, man. We just, we want to do everything ourselves. But the whole gospel is you can't. You're not that strong. You're beautiful. You're created in God's image, but you're not God. You're meant for the partnership. Okay, and so, so when we step into that, it's, it's beautiful. God created us for such a partnership of dependence, and it's okay to admit that, right? Um, we have to choose to pursue renewal and receive what the Spirit wants to bring in us. So I love this passage from Titus that we'll end with, and then we'll have some dialogue for a couple minutes. Um, it's a big passage, so, so just sit with it. Let me read it for us, and then I'll highlight what I want us to see. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. All right, hear it over and over and over again, the grace. Um, he saved us through the washing of rebirth. That's, that's the image of, of baptism, which we get to celebrate next week in all of its wonder and beauty. And renewal by the Holy Spirit. There's that word renewal again. Whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, right? Uh, children of a king, heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And then here's what he says. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. So renewal comes from the Holy Spirit, right? Renewal comes from the Holy Spirit, but renewal leads to doing what is good. Wow. Did I do that? You did that, but did I highlight that? That was late last night. Cool. That's great. Now you can see it too. Um, so renewal comes from the Holy Spirit, but what it leads to is, is doing good things with our lives, right? It doesn't just lead to feeling good. It leads to a change of our direction. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's what we were made to do. We were made to be renewed over and over again by coming to Jesus, by turning away from the things that are destructive in our lives, by receiving the grace of God freely and letting it be radical and unbelievable and unfair, by experiencing walking through suffering but turning to Jesus as we do, 
which leads to deeper trust and, and renews our spirits, even though we might feel like we're outwardly wasting away or exhausted. And then when our hearts break for others and we choose to act in love and care and compassion, these are the things that God uses to enliven us over and over and over again. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, this, is, this is challenging sometimes uh, to peel back the layers in our own lives to say, I, I actually want to show up um, and, and I want you to do something new and fresh in me. So can you help us with all of that? Can you help us find our rest in you? Lord, will you give us your grace? Will you give us the strength to move away from things that pull us from your heart and back toward you? And will you help open our eyes to the ways that we might radically love others who are in need of love, even as we receive yours. Lord, we thank you that your grace and your power is above all of this. And we trust it. Help us to be honest about our frailty. Help us to move toward the renewal that only you can offer in our spirits. Even if today it's really hard to hear that because we just don't want to be renewed and we want to sit in the discouragement, in the pain, in the blahness that sometimes can take over during this time of a long season. But we trust you. We trust your power and your love. Amen.